Hi, and welcome to Memoirs from Gaia. This is our first episode, and I'm lucky to have with me two guests from Pakistan, Adil and Safi. It's great to have you. So let's just um, dive right in. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourselves and about your experiences? Hey, you understand? So I'm Sayyid Shah, but you can just call me Sayyid, and I'm a computer science student at NIST. Uh, it's the university in Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan. So like we both are like Millennium Fellows for the class of 22, working on different projects, but uh, the fellowship like, like impacted when the floods uh, happened in 2022. So like uh, different people have different projects for the Millennium Fellowship, but like this all diverted towards attention towards the floods that happened. So we'll be talking more about that today. And now I'll get into this So I'm Adil Ali Tarek, uh, the same university, National University of Science and Technology from Pakistan. And uh, I'm also the part of Millennium Fellowship. And uh, the thing that Safi mentioned was the projects. Our projects are essentially based on SDG 1, 4 and 8. This is also revolving somewhat around that. But today we are going to speak about the climate change. Because in the recent times, like in the recent three to four months, we have seen tremendously people being devastated by floods. And this scale of devastation has not been seen in like a decade, at least in Pakistan. So this affected the projects we were doing. So we had to channel our donations from our project towards those sites. We're going to be mentioning all this in the time to come. Yeah, wow. I mean, great work. Um, and it sounds like an important time to be doing this work. Um, why don't you why don't you start off by, by telling me a little bit about how how your projects were affected, when that happened, why it happened? Um. So let me just establish a timeline for what ha- what's been happening in Pakistan for the last few months. So it all started with the monsoon rains in July. And in the, just a couple of weeks, we saw four, five to seven times more rain, average rain than average previous data. Then we saw in the whole monsoon. So like imagine rain in two weeks that we were expecting for the whole season. So this caused the dams to overflow towards the, like there were flash floods and there was like small levels of devastation here and there. But like this escalated extremely quickly and all emerged into like in the end, almost one third of Pakistan was underwater. This was the extent of the devastation. And it was all like extremely quick and unexpected and there was no government measures or private measures. And like, it was extremely unexpected and irritated. And the the amount of energy, because it was an unexpected, I'm sorry, I'm buffering. <laughs> so, because it wasn't expected, so like the amount of devastation that we had and the damage to loss of lives and loss of infra- infrastructure and the things, it was like insanely huge. How do you wanna? Yeah, if I may be adding to this, uh, the thing is that the rain, uh, it, like monsoon is a thing in India and Pakistan. We are accustomed to it. We take measures, we build uh, dams, we do things. But they are not on such a large scale that they can counter where for the rain that happened this time. Like monsoon this year, it was so tremendously huge that we had enough rain that would span over two months. 
in spanning in two weeks. So this created like so much rush of water that all the rivers, all the uh, canals, everything was flooded, over flooded. And all the water that came into the homes, that destroyed roads, that destroyed livestock, lives, like everything was affected. So the people that were working in the cities that were not affected, like I was working with the children, uh, I was working against child labor, but I had to shift my attention from that towards this. Like we channeled all our funds, all our efforts towards this. Like I personally went to, uh, there is a district cohort uh, in uh, a province, of Pakistan. So I had to go there and take part in some relief efforts. So we did the same things. Uh, so essentially all the million fellows in Pakistan, they had to shift their attention from their own projects towards this. One thing I want to add is that like, there, let me give you a geography lesson also. So like there are four provinces in Pakistan and the ones, uh, namely Blochistan and Sin, these are like the least developed areas, right? right? Right. So, so these areas were the most affected. So one, number one, they were least developed. They also, they already had like a current lack of infrastructure. And second, they were the most affected. So because of that, it like, uh, quadruple, double the damage that was expected. Yeah, I and mean... And no countermeasures for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I, think that's usually what we see happen, right? We see the, the countries, the peoples, um, the, the, the ones most vulnerable to climate changes and climate crises are the ones most affected by them. And that's part of what mm. makes um, makes the, the emergency that we're seeing so urgent is that poor people are the ones getting even poorer. Um, so yeah, uh, you mentioned a little bit about the different provinces in, in Pakistan and how um, some were more affected uh, than others. Um, I just, can you tell me where you guys are from and then um, how your region was was affected or, or um, a neighboring region and how you sort of felt that up close? Okay, so we both are from Patanjali and it is next to the capital okay. so this area where we are sitting right now this was not affected so there were rains but there was no flood or anything like this uh, it affected uh, very minutely like uh, there was a thunderstorm and wind strong winds but it did not like damage like floods or anything like that so if, if we move towards our surrounding areas there is, uh, the punjab is divided into two uh, main parts that is south punjab and North Punjab. So in South Punjab, there was a, lo a lot of floods because that is essentially agricultural land. There are rivers, there are canals and things like that. So all the water that was uh, coming in through the monsoon rain that channeled to all the rivers and all the agricultural lands, all the uh, livestock, all the people that live in the rural areas, they were affected severely. If I move a bit further, we have KPK, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, another province, and in that also, the because there was a whole river that was flowing from up of Pakistan towards the dam, like it uh, flows to the sea. So in its whole whole channel, uh, in its whole path, all the areas that it went through, it affected all those. That includes all the four provinces. Right. So another thing I want to add is that. Like if you like, we are extremely lucky to be in Islamabad. Like capital, yes, there were rains, but it wasn't affected. And there wasn't any damage. But if you move a bit further, like to so north of Pakistan, just an hour, one hour, two drive, hour drive away, 
There are like a lot of mount- mountainous areas, right? Himalayas. Himalayas. Like you might have heard about the Himalayas and other mountains. So they are kind of like tourist spots. So like right. to give a picture, to give you a picture, there's a river flowing in between, and there are hotels and tourist places and other picnic spots like on the sides. Mm-hmm. So the flash flood, what happened during the flash floods was that the rivers they completely overflowed, right? And they, the impact was so strong that they took, took down the whole eight-story, ten-story hotels down the river with them. Wow! It was the impact, and the bridges and the roads—they were just like it is like moving something. So roads and the bridges, they were seeing something so minute compared to what was coming, and like people only have to run for their lives without care, leaving their all their belongings behind. So like imagine you are sleeping in a house right now. And the next day, you have nothing. It was the impact, and it was extremely sudden. Yeah, I mean, it sounds devastating, and and as far as I've been able to tell, um, this these floods have also caused sort of you know food insecurity and water insecurity and 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 energy insecurity and all these other effects that potentially will have much more long term effects on Pakistan and on the Pakistani people and economy. Um, and how do you see this, these incidents sort of within a, within a bigger picture, uh, for Pakistan and within development and within all those things that Pakistan might otherwise be seeking, but now are putting on the back end, um, to, to fight against these floods. Okay. So, uh, I think so I should give a few figures to, uh, like in Pakistan, uh, the nearly the people that were affected were 33 million. So, 13 people affected, 1700 were dead, and 10 million children were affected. So, you can imagine everything. There's like greater than the entire population of United Kingdom and like other countries. Yeah. I'm from Norway, we're 5 million people, so you can imagine 33 million people is is a lot. It's a lot. And And the fact that it hasn't been in the mainstream media for that long, I think, yes, there were headlines. But there's no one talking about it. That's, the, I think, an extremely big problem. Yes. So, uh, apart from people, I would say uh, the livestock, the main essential thing that Pakistan is being driven by, that is agriculture and livestock. So, about 1.1 million of the livestock was affected as well. Uh, if I talk about bridges and the infrastructure, so there were uh, 440, I guess. Yeah, 440 bridges and uh, 13,000 kilometers of roads. Yes. Infrastructure, houses, and like more than 400 bridges that were damaged or completely broken. Destroyed. These things were destroyed. So like, so we lack right now is uh, intellectual engineering capabilities. We lack the personnel to repair all this in a fast-paced manner. We lack the funds to do so uh, because we are a developing country. We need those funds. Um, but we were trying to post channel our funds from the, this, what we were doing towards the archway. So this entirely affected all the things that were happening in these areas and all the attention got divided to the archway. So this in a whole affected the whole country, not a single segment of the country was left uh, unaffected by this. Right. Have you seen sort of the whole country being unified around this? Has there been internal solidarity and and 
Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like people from each and every segment of the society, each and every area of Pakistan, mm. they try to take part in those relief efforts that were being done in those areas that were affected. Uh, if I give you the example of uh, where I am right now, people and uh, different students, they started their own NGOs, they started their own relief efforts, collecting funds from the people, going door to door. They collected the funds, they bought the things that were needed, like tents, shelters, uh, food or items, water, medicines, everything like this, clothes. They bought this, they took those things, they went to those areas themselves. The biggest thing, they did not care about themselves or anything. Like they were so uh, motivated towards helping the people, they got into their cars, they bought the things, they went to those areas. So wow. this is the unity that people show. Yeah, at least that's some light in in sort of the darkness of all of this. Um, but just just going back a little bit, um, how are things right now? How do we stand right now? What's the situation? So let me tell you uh, about something. So after like 33 million, we give them figure of 33 million that people that were displaced, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a need for immediate action in regards to their shelter, food, and they were growing concerns of like waterborne diseases and some other things like that, malnutrition. So the immediate response was to like give them shelter, provide adequate food items, medicine, and these things, right? Mm -hmm. So now, now it's like almost a month has been passed. So Pakistan like had a goal for like 800 or 900 million dollars to give them basic necessary immediate attention. Mm -hmm. But to rehabilitate 33 million people, it will take a lot of time and a lot of effort. I think uh, if I'm wrong, not wrong, there was a figure by, by United Nations like that Pakistan will need to spend this decade, almost the, the rest of these eight years, to try to rehabilitate the, the 33 million people displaced. Mm. So it will take time to say the least. And we need help. Oh, yeah. yeah, Pakistan alone cannot do that. The, the biggest thing right now is that we as a country, we are doing a lot. But right now we have a lot on our plate. We have to deal with a lot of things. So uh, as Safi mentioned that this thing, this flood thing has been pushed to the back stage. Uh, this, has pushed, uh, this has been pushed to the back pages of the newspaper. Like we need, what we need right now is international attention on this because the floods, they were covered. But what about the after effects of the floods? People have forgotten this. They need to be made aware that there are people that are dying of the diseases that have occurred after the flood. There is dengue fever. There are uh, there are various diseases like malaria. Like uh, people are dying of malnutrition, to say the least. People are dying of childbirth. So this affects the people really greatly. So what we need is international attention on this. Uh, we need the governments, governments all around the world to come on board and help Pakistan and help the people on ground. Like we need engineers, we need more than funds. I think so we need people who can rebuild Pakistan. Well, it's a good thing you, you're studying engineering and can be part of that effort in the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, is there this sense in Pakistan that you feel sort of forgotten by the international community and that in the immediate aftermath of the floods, there were sort of big headlines and perhaps promises of aid and assistance. And then as you continue to live with these effects, that quite frankly, isn't 
isn't the cause of Pakistan. Um, Pakistan is not a major contributor or emitter um, to um, global warming. Um, do, you, do you feel a sense of sort of that, that you need more from the international community? I will add something here. The people who are affected by this, I'm very pretty much sure that this lack of, lack, such lack of education there, that they would not even know what is global warming. Right. So this is the ground reality that the people being affected, they are essentially the most vulnerable people. So what we need right now is that Pakistan does not even emit more than 1% of the entire global gas emissions, greenhouse gases. Right. So what the issue over here is that the countries that are emitting so much uh, greenhouse gases and we are at the receiving end of all these effects, what we need is a bit of like humanly spirit from them. Like <laughs> we need their help essentially. Like right. if you come on to the ground, if you see the people, uh, how they interact, like if you give one bottle to a child and you see him or her smiling, so that, that makes your heart melt. So I think so. The people should come to Pakistan. They should visit Pakistan. They should see what Pakistan means. I think there was also increased attention, right? I remember like Angelina Jolie and the visited Pakistan and the UN ambassador chairman Antonio. He also visited Pakistan and he also he said that he has never seen the impact of devastation before then coming after coming to Pakistan and. I think, yes, we also need to stress that international community needs to contribute more and pay attention and the due regard to climate change. Like, it was a thing for the future, but now it is already here. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. I, I mean, uh, Pakistan is a country, I think, that is especially sort of placed to be affected. I know, I think what built yeah, up to this... Pakistan is there, it directly impacts uh, in the, in, the, in the form of like earthquakes and floods, trash floods and such areas too. Right. And there's a lot of glaciers, right? So global house, uh, the global warming and the gases, they directly contribute to the melting of these glaciers, which affects the cities and the districts and the other areas that are down in. So like they are already vulnerable, I can say, and they are also the, on the receiving end of the most of the devastation. Right, because of, as far as I've, I've sort of understood is that on the one hand you have these massive floods and destructive floods, but on the other you also have drought and sort of um, heat in the summer that, that melts these glaciers and causes this. And so you have this paradox where you've either too much water or too little of it. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of efforts that need to, to be taken to adapt, I guess, rather than to just mitigate. Like we're currently seeing um, for these for these changes, really, and they're hard to predict. Like uh, I, I would tell you something about this flood that happened. Like it is one in a thousand years event that floods of this scale happen after heat waves. So what you said right now, this has happened in Pakistan. Like if you go towards the deserts, the third desert or places like that, so there are people dying of no rain. If you come to the other end, there are people dying of excessive rains. Right. So the problem here is, is that we lack the infrastructure to store that water that is being channeled into the rivers to stop that water. Like there are not enough dams in Pakistan. That is one of the main reasons that floods affect us so much. 
Are you seeing internal um, efforts to, to, to improve this infrastructure and to improve your uh, climate resistance? Yeah, I think so. There are efforts, but they are very minimal right now. Yes, there are efforts, but uh, Pakistan is a, essentially a financially struggling country. Right? It has an extremely weak economy. Right. So climate changes, for example, let me give you an example. If you have a choice to put food in your table, or build a dam, you will put food in the table, right? Yeah. So this is a, like, I think, dilemma that Pakistan is government is facing. Uh, although there are individual efforts, there are many uh, non-government organizations working, but the extent of these efforts is like a drop in the ocean. And I, although I believe individuals can lead a collective change, there is a need for international community and other countries to contribute as well. And the base attention. Exactly. Here I would like to mention that Pakistan is not the, uh, the not, not the only country that is being affected. There are many countries in Africa uh, right. and other parts of Asia as well that are being affected. So people need to channel their attention towards these countries as well. Yeah, I, I mean, this is sort of a broader, um, broader, bro broader look look at things. But you can see now with the war in Ukraine and perhaps you know the rest of the world or. or parts of Europe, um, at least, sort of returning and, and moving away from climate um, action towards non-renewables because of energy insecurity, etc. Mm -hmm. And and you do see that that the climate crisis, as you rightly pointed out, is an emergency of the present too, and something that we need to work on in the present as well. Um, and so it is this, this constant dilemma, right? Do you ensure that people have enough electricity and energy or do you also but that in turn might affect other people in the world with food insecurity and all these other things so there's i think what we have to realize is that it's all interconnected and that in this sort of globalized world what one state does in one part of the world will affect what another state is um experiencing in another and so it's really to have that collective and really it just shows solidarity i think towards the the international community and recognizing that um moving us just a little bit uh further can you what are you doing right now in this moment are you um are you doing anything to to related to this or or are you sort of now on the path um of trying to i don't know study and and, and move on <laughs> actually we're trying to do both right <laughs> Like uh, what you said, to move on, uh, it needs a lot of effort to move on from this flood. And we are trying our little best emotionally and both physically do this, but it takes effort. Uh, but what we are doing right now is uh, each and every person, uh, I think. So there are people who have forgotten this, no doubt about that, but there are a lot of people who are still working for this. Uh, but the ratio of those people is very less as compared to the whole community. So right. people, uh, as uh, we both said, like, uh, we are trying to channel our funds towards that, but we have to channel our funds towards these projects as well. So like there is uh, a boundary now, but we have to do. This is the thing that I was mentioning, that things that have, effect that have been affected by the floods, now they are affecting the whole country. Like I was to channel my funds to this, uh, now half of my funds have been channeled to that. This is happening right now as well, but all of my funds are now not being channeled to the players. Because I have to look after these people as well. So th th these are the things that are happening. 
Do you feel like youth plays plays a big role in this effort? Is there a lot of youth engagement and involvement? Yeah, definitely. So most of these donation campaigns, these were primarily run by students and distribution efforts were also contributed by a lot of students. Like in our university, we had our own like donation campaign type of thing and it's still continuing, but like there hasn't been a lot of external like improved efforts to do so. Like I already said, a lot of lot of people are displaced, right? And there is continued and increasingly more efforts required to rehabilitate them. And although donations are a good way of helping them, these are not sustainable, definitely not. And in the rehabilitation process that is to be spanned out for the next seven, eight years, rehabilitate and build infrastructure that was spoken and everything. There needs to be attention from not only our government, which is trying its best, already struggling, but trying its best, but there is increasingly more need for Western and uh, like the, the global climate countries, climate conscious countries, they need to pay their attention towards Asia, towards Pakistan. So let's suppose today Pakistan was affected, tomorrow maybe our neighbors, maybe Africa. And there's no efforts to prevent that. People are unaware of this. That is the whole dilemma, the whole paradoxical theory behind this, that people do not know what is going to happen to them. There are efforts being done in Pakistan, like we are trying to move towards renewable, sustainable energy resources, mm -hmm. but uh, we are moving towards EVs. But that will not last, uh, happen very quickly. We have other issues to look after. The most important is for our people to survive healthy, happy. That is the main thing. And that is happening around the world. But the thing is that the things that are happening in Pakistan, they are affecting this very much. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's very powerful to hear you, you talk about this as having sort of experienced this on the ground rather than um, having a you know, expert or, or something talk about it more broadly. If there is just sort of wrapping up, are there anything else you'd like our listeners to take away and to know about what's happening in Pakistan? So, one thing for certain is that climate change is here. It's not a thing for the future, it's in the present, right? So, the next step is we can either ignore it since it's already affecting developing countries or we can take countermeasures for it, right? So, I just read uh, the other day that the Climate Protection Fund for the United Nations is like, a, I think, a goal of $10 billion and it's still not fulfilled. Right. So, a country with countries with trillions of dollars of budget cannot contribute, uh, like, compared to their budget, they can't contribute a small amount to climate protection. So this needs to change, essentially. And more efforts, I think uh, developing countries also need to contribute more. It's not like our government is doing its best. It can do more to protect its people. But like, as I said, Pakistan is a struggling country, financially, not economically, right? And its geography is extremely diverse and extremely vulnerable to climate change. So as I mentioned, we have most snowy mountains on one side and deserts on the other. So like our geography is a bit too complex to fortress alone to handle, right? And we are vulnerable to climate change. Pakistan is, I think, in the top 10 most vulnerable countries to climate change. 
So Pakistan needs help, debt representative, Pakistan needs funds, Pakistan needs intellectual help, Pakistan needs engineers, Pakistan needs doctors to build back the infrastructure, to build back schools, build back hospitals, and to just simply rehabilitate the people that were displaced. 33 million is a lot of people, and it will take time and continue separate. Uh, so if I may add to this, uh, like, we just need you people, to every person who is listening, just do something, as little as you can, something for the climate change. Because each person, if you are doing something for your own country, it is going to affect us. Take countermeasures on your own end, and it will affect us. And we are going to be happy by that. The least you people can do, to every person who is hearing, and... Just do this, and in the next few years, we might not be having this conversation again. <laughs> a strong, <laughs> a strong call to action there. Um, I think yeah. I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, I just want to thank you so very much uh, for coming and speaking about your experiences and your fantastic efforts to to help mitigate the situation. So thank you. Thank, thank you for having us.